10-minute drill starts now. AJ and I are talking the MLB All-Star Game. We're going to take a lot of your phone calls. Also, we're going to continue this debate about the conferences in the NBA. Stay tuned. What's up, 10-Minute Drill? This is 60 Days to Living calling in. First off, love the questions that you're posing. Think they're fantastic. Second off, I'm a huge baseball fan, so I love seeing when someone's asking questions or talking about baseball. Um, and then heard one of your call-ins on the Game Time Guru. That actually happens to be one of my best friends. Heard the take, thought it was awesome, so giving you a follow. Um, even though my station's about entrepreneurship and side hustles, sports is a huge passion of mine, and so... I'll definitely be tuning in. Thanks for also favoriting my station, and we'll be checking out your stuff a lot every day. So appreciate it, man. See ya. Hey, 10-minute drill. It's Kev. Pretty much agree with, excuse me, pretty much agree with the All-Star game not determining home field. That's perfect. However, I think, although I agree with it, not every team should have a representative. It's just to protect the integrity of the league. That's why I do it. I mean, it's kind of tradition, I think. I, w- I wouldn't mind either going, you know, either way doesn't matter to me, but I would personally like to see people earn it instead, just a representative. But yeah, I pretty much agree with you, and especially the the first part because people should have fun in this game. Look at all, look at the NBA All Star Game, look at the NHL All Star Game, look at the uh, well, I can't say the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl needs help saving, honestly. But the NHL and NBA should learn something. The MLB All Star Game, they did, they did, they did the right thing this year by not making it for home field advantage. Let the players have, it's about the players, not about the team tonight, you know. They earned a spot and they should uh, definitely be there. Yo, what's up? This is Chris from the Tennis Show calling in about the uh, home field advantage of the All-Star game. Um, while, you know, I think the playing for the the home field advantage wasn't the best thing, it still was better than the old, old system where it was just alternating every year. Because, I mean, like, you could have 20 more wins than your World Series opponent and still be on the road. Um be uh you only have three games at home so you know what i i think at least with being able to play for it in the all-star game at least you can you know have some sort of effects or in controlling your own destiny but um and also in terms of having a representative for all 30 teams i don't think that's the worst thing you want you want fans from all the teams to, to show up and have a good time and have someone to root for i mean i don't have the strongest opinion on this but yeah if someone's missing out on money that's a bummer um but they're they're mostly making a lot of money, so I'm not feeling too bad for anybody. Last night in Miami, the MLB All-Star Game happened. AL beats the NL 2-1. Robinson Cano with a game-winning home run in the top of the 10th inning is your MVP, unlike last year or the previous 13 years before that, I believe. The winner of this game did not determine home field advantage for the World Series. I love that. I was so I, I cannot believe that they did that. They finally got it right, you know, after all these years. I think we had the tennis show. He called in and he said, remember when you know, they used to alternate back and forth. That was a disaster. I agree with that. And then the All-Star game, winner of the All-Star game gets a home field advantage. That's a disaster. I think they finally got it right, AJ. It's, this thing is an exhibition. It should be treated as an exhibition. Yeah, and I completely agree with the tennis show. And I completely forgot about how it just alternated. Like, back, But yeah. the All-Star game was better than that because at least you have the players from the AL and the NL, you know, representing their thing. And they, like you said, you can go win for the team if you're on the team. But I don't. I didn't think it should be – determining world series home field advantage like there's no point in doing that you look at all the all-star games they're fun like this is what and you saw them have fun you know nelson cruz goes up and takes a selfie behind and takes a picture behind home plate with right. you that doesn't happen if this game if you're playing for something to say oh we want to go out and we want to home field in the world series like if you're someone that's 
in the AL competing and you see Nelson Cruz going out there doing that, you know, swinging at whatever pitches you're like, no, like go out there and actually play. I want to win. I want to, I want home field for the world series. So it was a terrible decision. And going off of what I said yesterday too, on the show about how I don't think every team should have a representative that was mentioned by Kev, that was mentioned by uh, Kevin and also the tennis show about this. And the winning, the winning members of the all-star team got $20,000 each. So, like, if you were just handed an all-star spot because you're representing a team, should you be given a $20,000 bonus? No. Like, this is – people earn these spots. And I don't feel bad for these guys like the tennis show said. They're making a lot of money as it is. But I think you should have to make the all-star game on merit alone. You shouldn't just be handed it because your team sucks and needs a different representative. So they throw someone from the bullpen out there. <laughs> yeah. Like that's just <laughs> some of the bullpen. Yeah, I actually do agree with you though. I, my thing is with the all-star game, it's a boring all-star game. I, I don't want to be that guy who picks on baseball because I feel like baseball gets picked on a lot these days, but it's just a boring all-star game. I mean, the NBA, they don't play defense. I get it. But at least you might be able to see an alley-oop or a three-point shooter shoot from half court and have them go crazy. But whereas the MLB All-Star game, you're watching yesterday, and you don't even know what you're looking for. I mean, yeah, you might see Aaron Judge step to the plate. He's going to hit a home run or not. But that's just one at bat. I, I just feel like the baseball is not meant to be shown off, if that makes any sense. I mean, what's really what you really look forward to more for All-Star Weekend here is – Similar to the NBA, the skills competition, you want to watch the the dunk contest, the three-point contest. So MLB All-Star Weekend, you want to watch the Home Run Derby. I watched the Home Run Derby, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was very entertaining. The atmosphere was good. Aaron Judge was going up there mashing balls. So the the Home Run Derby is – 10 times better than the all-star game itself. So I really think that's where the MLB, you know, gets all their attention. So because the the all-star game is like, it's just another baseball game. They play a full nine innings. There's nothing, there's no, there's no razzle dazzle extra that they do for it. You know, Yadier Molina was wearing shiny gold catchers, uh, catchers gear, which was pretty cool, but there's really nothing extra to it. Yeah. And I'm I'm not sure there's anything that the MLB can do. Obviously when that game ended at a tie a couple years ago in Milwaukee, I want to say a couple years ago, like maybe 15 years ago in Milwaukee. That's what gave them the idea to make the game mean something. But that obviously failed. I don't know what else they can do to make the game more interesting. But it doesn't have to be interesting. It's an all-star game. And I think baseball peers are going to watch the game no matter what. It's just going to be hard to reach a casual fan. That's all. We got a few calls about the NBA debate. Should they eliminate conferences? So let's take a listen to what both Kevin and the Game Time Guru have to say about eliminating conferences in the NBA right now. Hey, 10-minute drill. I want to say something real quick. Keep the conferences, but have interleague play, interleague playoffs, interconference playoff. But uh, listen, uh, I think honestly you have the 16 best records. One seed will play 16, two, 15, and so on, and eliminate the conferences when it gets to the playoffs. No Eastern Conference playoffs, no Western Conference finals. Have interleague playoffs like interleague in the MLB, and it'll make it much easier, and it'll have more competition. And there's no chances of Golden State versus Cleveland. I mean, there is there will be there's a good chance Golden State Cleveland might end up the same, but somewhere down the line, let's say Cleveland's like a fourth best team and the Spurs are like second, there's a chance it could still be Cleveland versus Golden State in the finals, and that's something I would love to see the NBA try one day. And I don't know if I'm I'm talking out of my head, but who knows? That's just my suggestion. All right, guys, Shane Larson from the Game Time Guru. I'm I'm late to the discussion regarding eliminating the conferences, uh, but I did want to give my two cents here because um, I read an article by Bill Simmons two years ago, and I know everybody has their own opinion on Simmons. Some hate him, some love him. But when he worked for ESPN and the Grantland Network, wrote an article on how he would structure the playoffs, and that's what really got my mind turned. It was about two years ago that this came up, and 
it was perfect because his point was, you know, a lot of superstars don't get to make the playoffs because they're stuck in the West, like Anthony Davis, for instance. And then every year it seems like one or two of those superstars, like, you know, they're teetering that eighth spot because the West is so loaded. So it gives every superstar an opportunity to play in the playoffs, which everybody knows the NBA is a superstar-driven league. It's different than the NFL. So I would suggest looking at that, but I totally agree they should eliminate the conferences. Kevin and Shane, thanks for the calls, both of you guys. Well, Kevin, kind of on the same page, keep the conferences for the play during the regular season and the interleague playoffs, and that's where it really comes into mind for us and what we're thinking, making the playoffs. But I actually did some of the math and went through and broke down what the playoff matchups would have been this year had there not been any conferences. And what I found interesting was that eight teams from the Eastern Conference and eight teams from the Western Conference, the same eight teams, all would have made the playoffs. The matchups we would have been looking at for the first round would have been Warriors versus Bulls, Spurs versus Blazers, Rockets versus Pacers, Celtics Bucks, Cavs Grizzlies, Raptors Hawks, Clippers Thunder, and then Jazz Wizards. So there you have the eight East playoff teams and the eight West playoff teams. So like uh, Shane mentioned, Bill Simmons' uh, argument was you want superstars in the playoffs. Well, no additional superstars would have been in the playoffs. You still would have had Anthony Davis on the outside looking in. Now, I think things would change this year given the fact that how stacked and the improvements that the Western Conference made with the Timberwolves, with the Nuggets, I think – you would be looking forward for this year. It would be a different story going into the playoffs if they were to do just the 16 top, te- top teams. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, I think so, too. I think this year's probably an anomaly, to be honest with you. I think most years the Western Conference would have had a few more teams in there. Um, AJ, I'm going to ask you, though, out of those matchups, did you find any of them appealing? Because when I first heard of this idea, I was like, oh, man, imagine the matchups we get. But now that you said the matchups, none of them really like smacked me in the face as like, oh, that's a matchup I want to see. I mean, the first round matchups don't really smack me in the face, but yeah. where I look at it would be the second round matchup. Second round matchups, you would be getting Celtics Cavs as the second round, the wow. four five seed. Wow, that's cool. So the top three seeds were from the Western Conference: Warriors, Spurs, Rockets. But then the next three seeds would have been the Celtics, Cavs, Raptors. Okay. So that's what I found interesting: is the top three, the parity was there. It just happened to be top three was in the West, and then the next three were in the East. Okay. So if you look at the second round matchups, that's where you get into what would have been fun. You know, Spurs, Clippers would have been a second round matchup, assuming all the higher seeds would have won. Okay. Or you could have been looking at Thunder Spurs second round. But that's where, I mean, Celtics-Cavs was the one I circled when I went through this thinking because they would have been playing the Bucks and the Grizzlies. They would have won. So Celtics-Cavs, instead of an Eastern Conference Finals, that's a second round matchup. Wow. But the first round, exactly like you said, you know, you still have your teams at the bottom. The Bulls aren't going to beat the Warriors. The Blazers aren't going to beat the Spurs. But it gets fun. You know, Jazz Wizards would have been fun to see between all that. The defensive team against the up-tempo of the Wizards, John Wall, Bradley Beal, Otto Porter, all that. But, you know, the second round is where the matchups really jump off the season. But like I said before on this station, I think the playoffs this year, you would be looking at like more like 10 or 11 teams from the West yeah. and then five or six from the East. Yeah, I agree. I think on a normal year, you're going to have like 10 teams from the West. I actually think I like the idea. Uh, you mentioned yesterday that the NBA is never going to do it. And I completely agree with you. We can only fantasize about it. But I, I think this would be better. You know, it, it ensures that you get the top 16 teams in there. It's a disadvantage for the better teams if you think about it because the Rockets, you're a three seed, and then you got to play the Spurs, who are basically the second best team in the league in the second round of the playoffs. It's insane. I mean, that 2 3 matchup we saw in the Western Conference semis was essentially the second best team and third best team in the league. That's insane. That should be a conference finals matchup. Yeah, I mean, they're not, like you said, they're not going to do it, but it is very fun to fantasize about because you look at these matchups on paper and you see what, it, what, what would play out. But fun to fantasize about, but not realistic. The Knicks and Rockets are reportedly at the two-yard line. This sounds familiar, AJ. At the two. About to score a touchdown. 
All they got to do is run in the ball. Seattle Seahawks. What's the worst that could happen right now? I don't know, but the Knicks could find a way. If one <laughs> franchise would find a way to mess up this trade, that would make the, it would be the Knicks. I mean, yeah, we don't even know. We don't even know who's like, a part of the deal right now, right? It's four teams supposedly. That's that's my favorite part. A four team deal, and it's at the two yard line, and you don't oh. even know who the other two teams are, and it's gonna be you, like you need to know because the rumor was one of the third or fourth teams needs to take a contract that the Rockets or Knicks either can't or don't right. want. And it, my thing is. If the Rockets and Knicks don't want this contract, what makes them think they're going to be able to loop this fourth team into a deal and be like, "Hey, take this"? They're going to throw in a draft, throw in a draft pick, but it's going to have to make it worth it. So, it just makes no sense to me how they say this can be so close to being done with so few details. You know, there's nothing, nothing emerged. Who would the Rockets give up? Who are the Knicks getting in return? Who are the other teams? How can it be this close to a slam dunk when there's nothing else out there? You don't keep you don't keep news of this stature in the NBA undercover this long. I agree. I, I don't think they're as close as people are making it out to be. We don't know the other teams. Uh, I just got a text from one of my friends who was an also who's also a Knicks fan. He's saying that the Knicks might get two first round draft picks out of this. And I was like, how do you know that? And he's like, I don't know. That's just what I heard. He didn't even name the teams he's going to get. The, we're going to get the draft picks for. So this is all speculation. Um, I'm shocked. I mean, I'm shocked that Houston wants Mello with the history of D'Antoni and Mello. I mean, D'Antoni basically resigned because of Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony refused to run D'Antoni's system while D'Antoni was in New York. There is bad blood between them. I am really shocked that D'Antoni gave this the okay and that Houston is the first spot that Miller wants to go to. They're putting three guys that love to have the ball in their hands it's, on the floor at one it time. Makes, it makes no sense. And especially, we saw Melo in D'Antoni's system. It didn't work at all. So now all of a sudden you expect me to leave it's going to work again unless he turns into Olympic Melo and just sits on, you know, at the wing and shoots three-pointers all day. What was he, nine for nine that, that game in the Olympics? That was insane. Yeah. But yeah, like, what changes all of a sudden and now that it's just James Harden and Chris Paul that's next to him? I don't think, like, I don't think this as is as close. I expect it to, I expect a deal to be done or a buyout of some sort because the Knicks just have to ditch Melo. They have to, yeah. no choice. But I'm not as sold that it's this close. Yeah, neither am I, man. But, uh, Hopefully it happens soon because I'm a suffering Nick fan and we just need to move on from this. I'm hoping for picks. I'm hoping for young players to build around with high IQs and a motor that does not stop. That's what we need in New York. But I don't know who we would be. <laughs> we received a call from Netflix and Grill talking about the NBA Summer League and a transaction that happened recently. So let's hear what Netflix and Grill has to say. Watching the Summer League this year has been really exciting because, as you say, these guys are fighting for millions and millions of dollars, so they want to be playing their best basketball. I think the biggest thing that you can take away from it is how many offensive moves does a guy have in his arsenal that are NBA-ready? Uh, somebody like Jason Tatum has been so interesting to watch because he's already got turnarounds and fadeaways and post moves and three-point range that can immediately translate to the NBA, so that's really exciting. The idea that Lonzo Ball's jump shot could disintegrate in the pressure of the NBA is terrifying if you're a Lakers fan. I mean, when they were going in, you're like, eh, it's broken, but they're going in. If they stop going in, that is some serious reconstructive surgery that they have to do on that jump shot. The last thing that I want to say is I like the idea of Contavious Coldwell Pope going to the Lakers. Good work that young man getting $18 million uh, and turning it into a bit of a showcase here with Lonzo's passing, helping to do that for sure.
Netflix and Grill, thanks for the call. And I want to start by saying I agree with you about the Summer League and the offensive arsenal is really what it showcases because guys like Jason Tatum that have the turnaround jump shot and really are born and bred scorers, that's what's going to transition right away. And like a guy like De'Aaron Fox, when you can get to the basket, you can get to the basket against a lot of guys. And De'Aaron Fox is showcasing that right now. But on to what you said about KCP. I like the signing for the Lakers too. I thought I think KCP is – more underrated than he is overrated. He's yeah. coming off a solid year. And really when you see guys on the market, what they get, JJ Reddick got 23 million. So I think KCP for 18, isn't really overpaying. Oh, isn't really overpaying that much. You know, I think it's a solid signing for the Lakers one year. He doesn't play well. They can get him off the books next year. And they have the opportunity to sign two max players again. I don't get it. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I don't get it. It's one year, right? You figure not so much that you want to tank, but like you can, develop Lonzo, you can have a subpar year and you get a high draft pick for next year, but you're going to sign KCP for a year for what? My thinking is you give him one year of 18 million right now when you yeah. have the cap space to do it. And then you try to convince him. You say, hey, we're running, we're going after guys in offseason next year. We're going to go after Paul George, but we need more money to give him. So we gave okay. you your one year, 18 million last year. In good so faith. Okay. Yeah, in good faith, re-sign with us at three years for maybe less mo- for less money per year. Okay, so, so I think they kind of want to give him the money now while okay. they have it, and it's almost burning a hole in their pocket. But then next offseason, they're going to need it. So they're going to if he has a good year, they try to talk him into re-signing at a discount so they can still out and go get so they can still go out and get the big names on the market. That's the way I take it. Yeah, because my thinking wasn't so much that they signed KCP. It was the fact that they only signed him for a year. I'm thinking if you're going to sign him, sign him for three, four, five years. I mean, he is someone who I think can help. You- you know, win a championship or get you into the playoffs. I think he is a, a nice piece to have. I just didn't understand the length of the contract. But now that you said that, it kind of makes sense to me. But that's, you know, that's banking on a lot. I mean, he has a really good year. And then all of a sudden, he has another team that has a lot of money giving him max. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of taking a yeah. risk. It's a risk you're going to take. But if he has the average year, you say, hey, we paid you last year and we want you back next year with the stars around you, but we need you to take a pay cut. Do you buy the connection with LeBron's agent and KCP's agent? I guess they're the same agent. Do you think that helps the Lakers sign LeBron next year? No, I think that's yeah. just coincidence. I mean, KCP, he probably had other options out there. The Nets were going to go after him. It just seemed like the Lakers, maybe he wants to go He wants to go play with Lonzo Ball. Like, I don't, I don't buy into the fact that they have the same agent and they're only doing this because it puts them in good standing with LeBron's agent. Like, LeBron's not going to do – LeBron's not going to make a decision next offseason because his agent likes the front office of another, of another team. Agreed. He's going to do whatever's best for him, not because his agent likes someone. Agree 100%. Speaking of Summer League and the Los Angeles Lakers, Colfman called in with his thoughts on Lonzo Ball resting the other night. So let's hear what the Colfman has to say. Josh, AJ, it's the Colfman here. Thanks very much for, for calling into the program. Greatly appreciated. Always love it when you guys get involved. I think the, the Lonzo Ball and the Diarian Fox matchup, I don't think that took place because I think the Magic Man, I think Magic Johnson probably tapped... Uh, Lon's on the shoulder and said, hey, look, young fella, how about you put the feet up? How about you take it easy uh, this evening? Uh, I think it, this was the case because after his shaky start, his bad shooting night in, in uh, his first summer league debut, I think uh, he bounced back with a triple-double there, and I think Magic just wants to put a bit of a, put a, bit of a lid on the hype, uh, and he was taking uh, no chances there. I don't believe Ball was injured. I think Magic is just uh, wanting him to put the feet up, um, sort of protect his prize rookie a little bit, and uh, those two are going to have great battles uh, throughout their rookie season. Love your work, guys. Thanks for calling in, 
and uh, I will be chipping in here soon. Colf man, thanks for the call as always. But I gotta say, I disagree with you on this one. You know, Summer League isn't really all that serious. We've talked about how we enjoy watching it, and these guys are out there giving it their all. But Lonzo Ball was the number two overall choice. He is the future of this Lakers franchise. And even if it's just a slight ankle tweak or just a minor ankle roll, there, ankle roll. there is no point in putting him out there in a game. And yeah, it got the headlines because it's, oh, the De'Aaron Fox-Lonzo Ball rematch. But I don't look that much into it because I think Lonzo Ball was actually hurt. You know, I think he might, he doesn't have to be hurt hurt, but if he's hampered by a sore ankle or something is bother, bothering him, there's absolutely no point in throwing him out there in a summer league game to say, hey, you need to go prove yourself against De'Aaron Fox. We saw what Lonzo Ball is capable of in the second game game when he posted the triple double sure he didn't have a great he didn't have a great debut but he rebounded well in the second game and he's the Lakers future so even if he's just minorly hurt there's no point in putting them out there putting him out there in just a summer league game and saying hey you need to go prove yourself they know he's the future there's no point in risking it he is going to be their starting point guard this year why risk him breaking an ankle or blowing out an Achilles or something if he's a little sore but thanks again for the call if you have any comments or thoughts on what Josh and I just discussed, call into the station. We would love to hear from you or hit us up on Twitter at 10 Minute Drill. Thanks for listening.